Hey, what's going on, Humble Adventures? Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Ethan Essig. And today I am bringing you my conversation with Doug Motti. Doug is an explorer, a financial advisor, and just a lover of life. So Doug just went on a recent trip to Vietnam and did a motorcycle ride there, uh, roughing it, seeing a lot of the country, and it was a wonderful story, wonderful time talking to him about it, and he's got a lot more travels just besides his recent trip, and yeah, he's awesome. Um, Great friend, great guy, and he has a lot to talk to you guys about today, so we appreciate you stopping by and listening in. So without further ado, here is Doug Motti. Welcome back, everybody, to the Humble Adventures podcast. I am sitting here with uh, Doug Motti in his uh, headquarters at his home. Doug, say hi to everybody. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hopefully living the dream. We'll see. But uh, Doug, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a uh, registered investment advisor. Started my own company about 30 years ago, working as a fee-only guy, uh, working as a fiduciary, and... Uh, uh, love to make people money. Um, I make it very simple. I work with entrepreneurs and executives primarily. And uh, my interest in travel uh, kind of corresponds with my investment philosophy in that uh, I like to travel the world to see what's going on in the world, um, which enhances and gives me ideas on investment ideas uh, and different things. So it just uh, it rounds my mind and gives me a better perspective of uh, future things that are going on in the world and uh, it's just been a great benefit i'm curious by nature and so the travel part just fits me to a t yeah so um we're we're in your office hanging out in your office and i look around you got photos from around the world and you also have this big map and some of you have probably done this yourselves but uh if you could just explain what the point of this map back here is yeah, so my largest interest has always been Asia, uh, and I think it's because it's the furthest away and it's the most exotic. Yeah. Um, you can't speak the language, and so it makes it a little bit difficult. But uh, typically, uh, uh, I fly to Asia. I've been to Tokyo, uh, Shanghai, uh, Singapore, Dubai, Abu Dhabi, um, Phuket, uh, Bangkok. Um, and all, yeah, and all these pins, the green one is where you've been, right? That's correct. The red ones are where I want to go. I've not been to uh, South America, and I've not been to Australia and New Zealand. Okay. So those are some of my destinations. Uh, of course, I've been uh, around Europe somewhat, but I've not been to London, um, which is on my radar. Um, but yeah, so it's fun stuff. Love to travel. And uh, the weird thing about travel is uh, my wife doesn't always go with me, especially to Asia, because she yeah. doesn't really enjoy Asia, although she's never been. But I don't mind traveling alone because uh, you meet people. It forces you to yeah. grow, and uh, people have stories from unbelievable stories. It's just fun to meet different people. I'm kind of a people person, so uh, I yeah, love doing that. Are. Yeah, I just love doing it alone. It's just fun. Yeah. So, do you just feel like you? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, time for personal growth there. Absolutely. When you get to do that. Very much so, because I get up. 
I have no agenda. When I travel, sometimes uh, I fly standby, uh, and so I don't have. I don't know where I'm going to stay. I always tell people I might be under a bridge. I don't yeah. know. I research where I think I'm going to stay, mm-hmm. and if I get on the plane, then uh, then I start on the plane. Sometimes I'll get on Wi-Fi and actually book my reservations in route. There you go. But uh, I don't like to have agendas because I let the day unwind as it yeah. as it does. Uh, and I've had more fun doing it that way than That's actually interesting. Yeah, trying to. I have didn't a, know you did that. Yeah, complete agendas. Um, you get sidetracked and stuff, and then you might run into someone you want to chat with, but you've got an agenda and you got to move on. Yeah. I want the ability to roam and chat with whoever I want to, whenever I want to. Yeah, the and the uh, I'm glad that came up because I think that is a big deal when you go because there is a lot of pressure because you have little amount of time before we have to get back to the real world so then the the agenda feels like the right thing to do i used to do that all the time right like every two hours all right i'm gonna go to this spot in the national park and then do this hike and then we got to get dinner here and but then you're anxious 90 percent of that time trying to make everything work you are and you know when i meet someone new whether that be at the bar or wherever yeah and i get into a conversation with that person where he's interested and and she uh or or i'm interested uh, i don't want to cut that conversation short i want to i want to learn more about what they're doing and uh, Mm -hmm. what makes them tick you know you don't want to be like i gotta get to go i gotta stick to my agenda here so exactly yeah and i don't want to bore them on the details of what i do and i'm very careful with that yeah but uh, if they're an interesting person uh it's amazing what you can learn talking to people uh sitting in uh, starbucks at uh, shanghai yeah so yeah that's awesome it's a good note for everybody so you do that when you go to any of these places um so it looks like all right, what, what would be on this board your top three places you've been? That is a really good question. Uh, one of my favorite cities in the world is Bangkok, Thailand. It's just really exotic, and uh, you just know you're not in Kansas anymore when you're there. Um, yeah. I enjoy Paris, um, but I'd still learn, lean towards Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much desire to go back to Singapore. I felt like it's very Chicago-like. Yeah. Uh, not exotic enough. Yeah. Shanghai is a beautiful city, uh, very exotic. And uh, so I'd say Shanghai and Bangkok are probably two of my favorites. Okay. Uh, what about further west? So uh, are you talking like... Uh, um, like Europe, you know, United Europe. States? Um, Geneva, Switzerland is a beautiful area that I've spent some time in. And uh, from there, we went to Chamonix, France, and to uh, Majeb, France, Okay, which are two small cities. Uh, in Majeb, you see the house with the white picket fence around it where the mother or wife is in the garden with her apron yeah. in the garden. Um, the cow has a bell around its neck. It's moving <laughs> across the street. There's chickens running around. I'm like, this is heaven. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Chamonix is a ski town. Um, I paraglided off a mountain there once and uh, down to the bottom. And I always said, if I was a young person backpacking across Europe and I found Chamonix, France, I would have never left. Yeah. Beautiful country. Yeah. That's awesome. How was that uh, gliding off the mountain experience? So I was uh, tied to another person, um, and then on the count of three, he says, you know, run off the side of this mountain. 
uh, it's awful hard to get your legs to work when you're running and it's straight <laughs> down like a half mile. But yeah. uh, I actually ended up doing it. And uh, we, I videoed the whole thing on the way down. We kept circling because he can take you down at whatever speed you want to. Yeah. Halfway down, he kept asking me, you know, you doing all right? You doing all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I didn't know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, three-fourths of the way down, I started getting a little bit sick. Yeah. Which is common, I guess. Uh, they kind of forgot yeah. to tell me that part. But uh, <laughs> we, I did okay, landed, and uh, it was just a great experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Was that one of the more exciting things you've ever done? It really was. Uh, I've done whitewater rafting, and I've done that. Um, that's probably two of the uh, more crazy things I've done. Which where'd, you, where'd you go whitewater rafting? I did that in Colorado, and I can't tell you for sure where it was at. I've done it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy that, but I've kind of been there and done it now, and I'm getting older, and uh, mm-hmm. I uh, have a tendency to keep my feet on the land nowadays. Yeah. So. <laughs> hey, fair enough. So... Uh, at all these places you've been so are you more of like a mountain kind of guy or a beach kind of guy that's the cool thing i love them both love them both I hey love, there you go you don't have to pick no and i enjoy areas that have both yeah um and uh you know you can go to areas in the world where you can ski in the morning and go to the beach in the afternoon that's kind of the best of both worlds yeah but uh yeah i enjoy both very very much um really don't have a preference colorado of course i love which i know you yeah. have um you know that's always a good time yeah so. have you been to lake tahoe it looks like there's one i have not to been one. to lake tahoe but that is on my bucket list yeah yeah that, that's the that best of both worlds i've heard that yeah i've heard that it's yeah. it's beautiful especially in the winter time uh-huh mm-hmm. i'm trying to scan here for any other places um, what did you think about the Pacific Northwest? You know, uh, Seattle was nice. Uh, um, it's different up there. Yeah. Uh, I just spent uh, one night there on one of my travels to uh, Asia. Oh, okay. Uh, jumped a flight, went to Seattle, and just overnighted just to cut the short uh, trip a little bit shorter. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a lot of time to look around. But I enjoyed Seattle a lot uh, the short time I was there. Cool. Yeah. So. Good place for coffee. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, I'll have some more random travel questions later, but let's talk about your most recent trip. So, yeah, I went to, in February. Um, I turned 60 um, in an airplane um, somewhere around the international <laughs> dateline. So I might have turned 60 twice. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I was on my way to uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. I'd been to Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City both before. But I'd never really explored other parts of Vietnam, and I wanted to see what else it had to offer. Yeah. So I uh, flew over there, flew into actually Seoul, Korea, jumped a flight from there to Hanoi, and hooked up with a guide um, that uh, I paid to take me up through the northern mountains of Vietnam and on down, uh, clear down to Ho Chi Minh City. So we did that over a period of 26 days. We drove about 2,200 miles. I was on a 150cc Honda. And uh, it was an experience of a lifetime. Yeah. Um, with my guide going through some of these villages, he would take off down these little side roads, and we'd really get into the areas where people lived. And I got really close to the culture and the music mm-hmm. and everything and uh, had a glorious time. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, walk me through some of the highlights of that trip. So we left uh, the first, uh, well, first of all, there's 7 million motorbikes in Hanoi, which is mm-hmm. about half as many people live in New York City. Whoa. So the number of motorbikes is staggering, and they're handlebars to handlebars in traffic. And uh, 
just getting out of the city was an experience in itself because I didn't want to lose my guide yeah. who had a GoPro camera on his helmet, which was a good thing because then I could spot him. Yeah. But he missed a turn on the way out of Hanoi, and so we end up going up this ramp uh, the wrong direction, and oncoming traffic was coming toward us, which is common over there. They don't really care. Everybody yeah. was yielding, but I was like having a cow because – going the wrong way up a curvy interstate ramp. What a way to start the trip. I'm yeah, thinking this right. is not going to be good. But it worked perfectly. We got out uh, on our trail, and we uh, we started out of town. And I'm, I was raised on a farm in Iowa, so I was really interested in the agriculture part of Vietnam. And so one of our first stops was this lady out in the cornfield. She was hoeing her corn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got the opportunity to go out there and uh, help her hoe for a while and get some pictures and video. Yeah. Uh, which was really fun, <clears throat> just shaking her hand and the calluses on her hand. I mean, yeah. it, you can I can't imagine the amount of work the lady's done in Dang. her lifetime. That's crazy. It was crazy. And from there, we had another farm stop. Um, I got to actually plant some rice. Cool. Uh, so I rolled up my pant legs uh, up to my it, knees. And is took this my the shoes photo off. behind us? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So walked out on top of this little ridge and I kept sliding off and eventually I just walked in the mud out to where these ladies were planting rice and they uh so the government owns all the land in Vietnam and so mm-hmm. the farmers lease the land so anybody can go anywhere at any time you don't have to have permission yeah. unlike the US so we marched out there uh, my guide said yeah go on out there I'll take some pictures of you and, and uh, they seen me come and they start smiling and they give me some plants, and so I got the opportunity to plant some rice, which is always one of my dreams. I wanted yeah. to do that for years. And, That's uh, cool. So uh, got to experience that and uh, shook all their hands, and they didn't speak a bit of English, so it was kind of hard to communicate. But yeah. yeah, I was going <clears> to <throat> ask you, what was the communication like? You know, most places you go uh, anywhere in Asia, that they speak enough English you can get by. Mm-hmm. There are a few exceptions to that, especially in Tokyo, but... Uh, for yeah. the most part, China, Vietnam, Thailand, I've never really had any problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you got the interpretation app on your phone, if you get in a bind, you can use that. It's like Google Translate? Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, you can point and, and do different things, and I've really not ever had any problems with any yeah. of that. I get asked that a lot, and I've just never been in a situation yeah. where— I'm sure that's a, like probably the scarier part for people to make that jump to go to—I mean— all these Asia's far away, super well, far, and the funny part of it was, different. I hired a guide to take me on this trip. I run into college kids on motorbikes using Google Maps mm-hmm. who didn't even have a guide, and they're doing this by themselves, just wow. winging it. And uh, it's crazy. I was amazed at uh, some of those young people because yeah. I'm not sure I'd had the nerve to do that, yeah. you know, in a new area like that. Yeah, that so. is, that's impressive. So after the planting rice where'd you go from there so we continued on up into the mountains in uh, northern vietnam and uh bb lake was one of the places we stopped uh, and i can't even pronounce half the cities we went through but i didn't realize the beauty of the mountains uh in northern colorado there's areas it's just like the rocky mountains wow where you're on top of the ridges and you look below it's just breathtaking views but the cool thing about Vietnam is is you'll be riding along, and it's like Rocky Mountains. And then mm-hmm. 20 miles later, you feel like you're in the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. And then another 20 miles later, you feel like you're in Hawaii because there's uh, mountains with waterfalls and wow. such. So you can go through three ecosystems in one day. That's uh, incredible. And it, you just don't find that too many places. No, you don't. That's awesome. And it was uh, it, it was just breathtaking stuff. Uh, we ended up on the Ho Chi Minh Trail for a while, which is just a road mm-hmm. that uh, the Vietnamese used to uh, take supplies to their troops and uh, use it as an airport. 
and uh, that was a kind of interesting area that I enjoyed a lot. I got to go underground to some of the tunnels yeah. and see where uh, people lived. I mean, they had hospitals underground. They, they had babies underground. They had weddings underground. Wow. Uh, they spent all day. Um, they spent all night, rather, underground. And during the day, they would come up out of the tunnels, try to do some farming so they had food to eat. And uh, they would go out in the water and collect all the dead fish from all the bombs that exploded in the ocean and all the fish would float to the top. And so they'd harvest the fish every day and that's what they'd eat. That had to have been some nasty fish. Yeah, kind of amazing how they uh, operate over there. But those underground tunnels, I mean, we went several meters underground and it was, when I got up out of there, I was panting hard. I mean, it's way underground. Yeah. Because we had certain bombs that would drill down and then explode, and they had to go below the reach of those. Wow. But uh, the one lady that took us through the tunnels lost half of her family uh, due to a That's bomb terrible. blast. But oh. the cool thing is the people have forgotten the war, and uh, Americans yeah. are very, very welcome over there. That's awesome. That's there, crazy. Not once was there ever an awkward moment with me uh, yeah. You know, being in a situation where I was an American. They... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I run into a crew of Americans over there that were searching for missing soldiers, missing dead soldiers. Um, the government has hired these crews to go over and continually search for soldier, soldiers. They have found, uh, I think last year they told me they found 209, but they wow. can identify them through DNA if they just have one tooth or something to that wow. effect. And so very interesting talking to those folks. Uh, never knew that existed. Yeah, <clears throat> that's crazy. Yeah. That could uh, be some closure or open up something for families. That's Absolutely, crazy. and then and the the tons of bombs we dropped on that country. And part of my interest is the war. I wasn't in the war, but I'm I'm interested in the era. Um, I think it was uh, I forget the number, uh, but it was you know several thousand pounds of bombs. Uh, I want to say close to a million pounds of bombs got dropped on that country. Uh, much less the napalm and everything else. So those people, uh, and, and due to the previous wars, I mean, they've been through hell and back. Yeah. Um, the average Vietnamese person makes about $300 a day. Um, Damn. But interestingly enough, they have Internet cable laid throughout the country. The government has laid cable. So uh, my texting and Wi-Fi work better in uh, Vietnam than it does here at home. Whoa. So I was crazy. on top of mountains sending texts and sending pictures, and uh, it was yeah. amazing. That's incredible. It, yeah, it works very, very well. So out of all those landscapes, um, wait, where'd you how, where'd you sleep? Did you do tent or? So we did homestays, which is a uh, a fancy word for someone's home that has extra bedrooms. Okay. And then they cook for you. Okay. Which is kind of cool because you get to see firsthand how they live. Yeah, and uh, these people can cook the real deal. I mean, this isn't Americanized Vietnamese Vietnamese food. It's the real deal. And yeah, I've uh, never had of, Vietnamese food. Some of it was very, very good. Uh, some of the conditions they cook in are a little bit uh, not like the U.S. It's just a little bit dirtier. There's not no a FDA. health department friendly. Yeah, there's no inspections, you know, and so it's uh, fair enough. That can be a little bit uh, weird when you look in the kitchens but if you just uh, don't do that the food is actually pretty good but yeah so yeah there's mattresses on the floor uh, they furnish you a bathroom um, not a lot of water pressure hot water runs out in five minutes um, you may have soap you may not so yeah. it's one of those situations where you're not used to that and by three nights of that um, I was craving uh, a hotel yeah 
And uh, so after a week went by, uh, we were in this one homestay, and I walked around the village and found this upscale hotel. Yeah. And I uh, talked to my guide about staying there, and he said, yeah, that's fine. I think it was a total of uh, $60, and this place was like a four-star hotel. It was super cool. Had a beautiful view. That's awesome. And so then we had a discussion about maybe upgrading, and for another 20 or 30 bucks a night, we could stay in little nicer places. And I said, yes, let's do that. Yeah. So we did that. Um, but I did get experience and wanted experience the, uh, yeah. the level that they live in and so forth. You know, And they're very content and very happy with those arrangements. Uh, they've never had anything better, so they don't know the difference. Yeah. You know? Gotcha. So, yeah. That's a that's pretty interesting. So, and you were there for a month, correct? Yeah, total there a month. So I spent when I got to Hanoi, I spent two days there just walking around, and uh, then I left for twenty six days. Uh, so went around the mountains of North Vietnamese, come back around Hanoi, and the day I was uh, probably about eighty miles west of Hanoi was when uh, President Trump was in uh, Hanoi uh, visiting with Kim Jong Un at the summit so i got to watch him on tv uh, over lunch and watching all the vietnamese people tuned in it was kind of interesting yeah. i was the only american in the room and uh i was wondering what they were thinking yeah so uh, uh i would wonder yeah what, what do they say to you yeah we come around uh left from there and then we come over next to uh the beach mm-hmm. or the coastline and uh traveled all the way down the coast and then to ho chi minh city through the different uh, cities such as nang trang and uh I can't even pronounce them, but uh, each city had its own unique uh, beaches, buildings, um, lifestyle, culture, uh, food. Yeah. So it was an experience in itself. Yeah. So, um, you know, what was your uh, intention when you were going there just to get out and live a little for a month? Yeah. And the funny thing was uh, when I flew into South Korea and jumped the plane to Hanoi, you know, I was in the airport and had some little bit of downtime and. By the way, the airport in uh, South Korea is the cleanest airport I've ever yeah. seen in the world. You could eat off the bathroom floors. It's it's that beautiful. Is, that's awesome. But uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to get some butterflies here somewhere along the line because, yeah. you know, just a little nervous about the whole thing. Yeah, that, not, that's a big commitment. Not well, once did I ever have butterflies or, like, thoughts of what am I doing. Wow. Or, I was just so felt, prepared. Felt natural. It was all natural, go. which made it that much funner. Yeah. If funner's a word. Yeah. And uh, here it can be. Yeah. On Humble Adventures podcast. <laughs> so it was just, it was a very relaxing trip. Um, I had my laptop, uh, you know, on the back of the bike. Uh, so I, uh, every night, checked in with my clients and I had a couple things I had to take care of while I was over there, um, which was no big deal. It, uh, I had a client that wanted to get out of the market. So it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm on vacation in Vietnam and I'm working to get uh, this person out of the market, uh, (laughs) which I didn't mind a bit. But uh, I reminded her that uh, that I was on vacation and it's three o'clock in the morning and she's like, you're one of a kind, Um, which is great because that's the way I roll. I don't really mind working whenever anyway. Uh, I answer my phone 24 seven. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's the fun part of my business. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Um. So you uh, made a website, right? Yeah, so I did a travel blog because I wanted to remember my trip. So it's yeah. uh, dougmotty.blog, so D-O-U-G-M-O-T-T-E-T dot blog. If you go to that blog, all 30 days uh, are blogged on there, and you can see day by day what I did along with pictures. I uh, tried to tell a story with each one of them, and yeah. uh, it was very time-consuming. 
Um, but now that I'm home and go back and look at it, I love it. I, I enjoy it a lot and I'm probably going to prepare, be prepared to blog my next trip. Yeah. So, I was going to say, are you going to keep adding to it? I hope to. I, my next trip, uh, may involve, uh, Tokyo, uh, Beijing, and then maybe end up somewhere in India. Yeah. And if I were to do that, uh, I would hope that I could blog each, each day mm-hmm. again. And, uh, just to, uh, let people know I had all my friends and family. Yeah. were watching my blog. So the cool thing is when you get home, they already know your, all your story. You don't oh, yeah. To, you don't have to tell it yeah, 14 Getting times. your emails yeah, every time you yeah. posted. Yep. So you get home, it's very, everybody's tuned in and everybody knew what you did. Yeah. And it really simplifies it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so speaking of family, you know, we've been on vacation together in Mexico. Um, how do you, at this point in your life, you have two daughters, wife, um, balance that going to explore by yourself and then also going on trips with them? You gotta have an understanding wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. She, uh, she allows, yeah. and I do, and it's a good thing. She allows me to take a trip uh, every other year. Okay. She kind of has said, you know, every other year you can go somewhere, and uh, and she's gonna probably start going with me now that I've kind of seen Asia. Yeah. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, she will go. Uh, South America, she would probably go. Maybe Africa, safari type things, she would go. So That'd she'll, be fun. she'll probably be joining me more on, on those trips, but uh, she has no desire to go to Asia. And uh, as you know, I mean, going into, uh, you know, Tokyo or uh, Shanghai, you're looking at 15, 16 hours of in the air, which by itself is enough to drive you crazy when you stop and think about it. Oh, yeah. Um, but Lots uh, of books and movies. And- yeah, and I have a hard time sleeping on airplanes, so I'm... Uh, I remember one particular flight. I was in the 747. I ended up in business class, and the flight attendant come around. It was like, you know, middle of the night or morning or whatever time it was, wherever you are. But uh, she sat down beside me, and we chatted for probably an hour. She was number two in Delta's lineup of uh, seniority with flight attendants. She was 70 years old and still working overseas trips. Awesome lady. That is cool. And that goes back to my original story of having the time to chat. Of course, you know, everybody's sleeping but me because my adrenaline's going and I'm wired. And she asked me why I'm awake. And I said, I, I got, uh, you know, I'm just too pumped. Yeah. And uh, so we had quite a conversation. Uh, very fun. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, what was I going to say? Now I forgot my question, but I'll go with this one. So while you're out there, I mean, do you like take notes as you go along, take photos as you go along or, you know, uh, up until the, the travel blog, um, I took a lot of photos, but not a lot of notes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, my very first trip over there, I was in the 747, uh, again in business class, uh, just had got a new iPod back in those days, yeah. had my favorite music in there. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Mr. Motti, would you like some wine? Sure. So I kind of have an, uh, had an epiphany sitting there, uh, listening yeah. to my music, drinking my wine, thinking, you know, it doesn't get much better than this. No. And, That's pretty uh, sweet. So I kind of got hooked from that moment on. Um, but that was a real special day when that hit me. And yeah. I've not really had that feeling since. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, that was a really cool thing. Yeah, that is cool. Um, where's what's this town up in that photo there with all the colors? You know, um, I can't tell you the town without looking it up, but it was a beach area, and it was uh, early in the morning, and I was taking a walk along the beach. And the funny part is uh, there's thousands of miles of beach line in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. and there's nobody on the beaches. I mean, they're beautiful, 
you look to the left, you look to the right, and you can see a mile both ways, and there's not one person on the beach. And so you're out there all by yourself. It's super cool. It's a great feeling. Yeah. What is that about? Why? So well, there's not people out there, hey, you need a drink? Hey, you need an umbrella? I asked the locals, and they just say, you know, they live there. So it, to them, it's just a natural, everyday occurrence. They, uh, you know, don't really care about the beach. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's no service or anything like that. Now, in certain areas, I noticed the hotels are being built and uh, in a big way. And Vietnam is going to become one of the hot spots for tourism in the world. Um, there's a lot of areas that are developed now in Asia, but Vietnam is on the way and it's going to become huge. Yeah. And the population there is eager to have that come in because there's lots of money to be made. Mm-hmm. So I seen a Radisson. I think I seen a Hyatt. I seen some big high rises being built along the, yeah. the beaches. So it's coming. It's going to come in a big way. Was there like a vibe in the with the locals that they didn't want that to happen? I think in certain areas, I know I was in one town, it was kind of like Miami Beach, and uh, it had already been developed, and it was happening. They had the nightlife. They had the uh, the bars on the, on the sky tops uh, on the top of the hotels with mm-hmm. the beautiful views. And uh, so they, you know, that was one area that uh, was happening, and there's lots of areas being built just like that. So they're going to yeah. capitalize on it. Makes sense. <clears throat> I don't know if I'm a big Miami Beach guy. Well, and, and what I liked about um, a lot of the beaches, the fact there was no one on them. There yeah. was one particular day we took the bikes down and rode on the beach, which I'd never done before. Yeah. Uh, that was great until we got stuck in about eight inches of soft sand. And I don't know if you've ever rode a motorcycle in soft sand, but it is difficult. Yeah. And when you get stuck, it's difficult to push yourself out. Yeah. So I was glad to get out of there. But uh, thanks to a local who come and helped me yeah. get pushed out, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to Man. be on those beaches. But... I remember spending the last two or three days of my trip, uh, we were ahead of schedule, so we really kicked back, and uh, I had a lot Chilled of beach out. time. Yeah, a lot of beach time. We uh, This one beach particular uh, area, there was a wedding going on, so I kind of walked up to the wedding, and just kind of, it was under a kind of a pavilion-type building, and the music was blaring, and the drinks were being served, and next thing you know, I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops and I got sucked into that wedding and they were serving <laughs> me drinks and they weren't to take their pictures with me and I'm a gray-haired guy with the, at this point I had grown a beard um, which I had never done before and so I was yeah. kind of an outcast yeah and they thought it was super cool that uh, to have me in their wedding pictures and uh, the bride nice. and groom was right there and uh, I, I finally had to get get out of there because I didn't want to interrupt their wedding but yeah. uh, it seemed like the opposite they enjoyed my company so it was weird you know yeah that's cool yeah that's fun though yeah it was fun um yeah so the <laughs> towards the end of that trip you're there a month I mean was it did it feel weird coming back since you were there so long well the funny part was usually on my trips I'm usually gone nine or ten days and I'm yeah. very eager to get back yeah this 30-day trip uh, was long enough to where I got my mind off my work and uh, I was so relaxed that I wasn't in a big hurry to get home um, so I left uh, Hun- actually Ho Chi Minh City and uh, had two days left of my trip so I flew back to South Korea <laughs> excuse me I had the time uh, enough time to go scope out South Korea and I always like to climb the towers and see the city views which are incredible but I got to go up to the DMZ and uh, scope that all out yeah where North Korea and South Korea join and you could look through binoculars and see the uh, North Korea guards in the towers and uh, where President Trump just recently was I seen the blue building where he yeah. was and all that stuff it was super cool. cool and a great experience yeah so yeah awesome yeah well that's interesting um 
So going forward, do you think that you'll do longer trips then, the plus the 10 days or more um, kind of thing? Or? I called this my first and maybe last sabbatical. I think yeah. that's the fancy word for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'll do very many more 30-day trips because that's a long time to be gone with family and such. Yeah. But, uh, but I, you know, I could see a couple weeks uh, at a time yeah. if I do Beijing, uh, Tokyo. I've been in Tokyo before. Um, but they were having a typhoon and the rain was coming down in buckets and I couldn't even get out and do much. And then yeah. there was also an earthquake, um, the same night. So I got to experience those two great, great natural disasters, <clears throat> but I didn't get a chance to go out and scope the city out. So I'm probably going to do that. And then I want to see the great wall in China. Yeah. Uh, I inquired about, uh, motorbiking across China, but I understand it's very difficult. There's areas they don't allow motorbikes and, uh, not sure that even can be done uh, very yeah. easily, but I wouldn't mm. mind uh, investigating that a little bit. And uh, yeah. if if that would come together, that'd be a thirty day trip because yeah. uh, China's a pretty good sized country. Mm-hmm. So I'll bring it back. Where in the United States would you most want to go? Um, I've got a trip scheduled uh, in August to go to Laguna Beach, California. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a conference there. And uh, we're going to be staying at the Ritz, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, yeah. From there, we're going to uh, rent a convertible. Uh, wife's going with me, and we're going to trek our way up to uh, the coast, up to San Francisco. Okay. So I've got interest in that area of the world. I've not spent a lot of time in California. Uh, I just want to kind of see what's going on out there and uh, scope that out. But Lake Tahoe, definitely. Um, been to New York City numerous times. Always enjoy those trips. Yeah. Um, and then probably uh, Idaho, Oregon, Washington State, and more because I've not spent very much yeah, time. I'd uh, love to go to Idaho. Yeah, seeing some of the wilderness. I have snowmobiled in uh, the Teton Mountains, which yeah. uh, we ended up going in Idaho a little bit, uh, Montana, and uh, another state. But uh, be- the Tetons are beautiful and mm-hmm. had a really good time doing that. Uh, oh, West Yellowstone we went yeah. through as well. Yeah, which is a long haul on a on a snowmobile, especially an older one back in the day that didn't have nice suspensions and yeah. it was very rough. Yeah, but uh, that was a good time. I like to do more exploring in that area, which you know I'm sure you would enjoy as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely my favorite area, my go-to area. Um, so what when'd you do uh, snowmobiling in Yellowstone? That would have been uh, guys clear back in the '80s. I had a good friend. <clears throat> that had a couple snowmobiles and he invited me to go along with his family his dad and his brother yeah and uh, we flew uh i think they drove out and i flew into bozeman montana and uh, hooked up with them and uh that was a, a beautiful trip we had a lot of white fresh snow and uh, we had yeah. a lot of guys that liked to climb mountains on snowmobiles and some of them were the racy type that could yeah. go up uh you know where you could barely see him and then turn and come humming back down. Uh, I didn't do a lot of that because I was on an old John Deere that didn't have the power to do yeah. that. And I'm inexperienced, but it was fun watching some of those guys. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, it was crazy. I, and, and, you know, the uh, the snow slides that can that could occur, you know, that that's kind of scary too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm so honestly surprised I haven't seen an avalanche before. Yeah. But, yeah, that definitely would be terrifying. When you go up a mountain to the point where you run out of steam and you start turning and you get stuck on a snowmobile, you have problems. Yeah. First of all, you step off, you sink into your waist. So how do you dig a sled out when you're standing in waist-deep snow and, you know, you have no way to lift or to carry it or to turn it around? It is terrible. 
You, you wait for summer. <laughs> That's just about what you got to do. Yeah. Usually other crazy. guys other guys can come up and help, but, you know, if they step off their sled, then they sink to their waist too, and it's just uh, yeah, very difficult. Yeah. That's crazy. So. Um, well, that's a, have you been back to that area since then? I have not. I would enjoy doing that. Um, just haven't taken the time to, to go do that. But I tell my wife, you know, I'm 60 years old, and uh, since I've explored a lot of the Far East, uh, you know, I kind of did it maybe in a way that do the long trips when you're younger. Yeah. Uh, when you're older, like from 60 to 65, we'll have more time to tour the U.S. than mm. short hops, short trips. When you start going to Asia, I mean, it takes a toll on you, you know, and uh, yeah. it's it's a lot harder to do that when you're when you're older. Yeah. So now that I've got that behind me, uh, the U.S. is a piece of cake, you know. Yeah. So, for sure. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Listen, I taught. I always like make the comment to get like an RV, just do yeah. the whole travel the U.S. thing. Yep. And I'm not a very good camper, uh, and I'll tell you why. It's because every time around the campfire, no matter where I sit, the smoke comes at me, <laughs> and I can move, and it, it travels. So uh, my idea of camping is like in a Hyatt. Um, yeah. I've tried camping, and uh, either it's raining or it's windy or there it's mosquitoes or the smoke, and uh, I've just not had good experiences camping. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a turnkey guy where you can turn hey, that, the key to the room. and That's all right. <laughs> Different way to experience the world. Yep. But, you know, camping, you meet a lot of interesting folks oh, yeah. from all parts of the world, and that can be a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm pretty good with a mix of both. Yep. I like sleeping outside. Yep. There's as, something to be said for that. Yeah. As long as there, it's not a, the weather's not too terrible. Yeah. But it, it's relaxing. And then I also staying in a nice hotel is relaxing right. as well. So right. just kind of got to go with the mood. You do, and there's, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, there's a lot of great hotels in the world, and I've actually traveled with a, another friend of mine to Asia a few times, and, you know, we'll splurge sometimes and go to the Ritz-Carlton and then stay in one room and just split the bill. Yeah. And uh, we've done that a few times to really uh, get something nice. Yeah. And uh, gosh darn, you know, when you stay in a Ritz here or there, it, it's kind of hard to go back uh, to <laughs> something else, but yeah. it gets kind of pricey. Yeah. So. Yeah, that, that it can. Um yeah, it, uh, I mean, like, uh, staying on the beach, staying in a nice place, and then just knocking out books is great, and then going all out adventure mode is also fun, so. It is great, and I always, uh, in my previous years, early years, I took lots of reading material with me on the airplane. I thought, man, I'll get through all these books. I don't read on airplanes. Uh, my mind goes to mush, and I can't, yeah. uh, I don't enjoy reading on an airplane, um, for some reason, we always leave at nine o'clock at night. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're supposed to be sleeping Yeah. while you try to sleep for an hour or two. And then I wake up and then you just don't feel like reading cause you're kind of tired and droggy. And so I've packed reading materials, both directions anymore. I just take like one book and, uh, I'm lucky to get it read. Yeah. So, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you down to do a little, uh, random question round? Sure. Cool. Okay. First qu random question, best beach you've ever been to? Mm, I'll tell you, there's uh, Play del Carmen in Mexico when uh, we were yeah. together. Uh, yeah. It's got to be in the top two or three. Yeah, that place was sweet. Those beaches are beautiful. Vietnam's beaches were beautiful, but maybe not quite like the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, St. Martin's got beautiful beaches. Um, 
and I'm a I'm a beach snob. I mean, I really enjoy nice beaches. Uh, yeah. Uh, Maldives is on my list uh, off of India, and uh, some of the pictures I've seen there look incredible beach-wise. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the good old Caribbean, uh, man, you can just about throw a dart, and there's a lot of nice beaches in that whole area. Yeah, so. that's true. Can't really mess up there. No. Um, okay, next random question. What book would you most recommend to the audience? With regards to travel? Or anything. Any book. Oh man, um, I gotta stop and think. Four Hour Work Week um, yeah. is a very interesting book that I've enjoyed. Um, I guess off the top of my head, uh, that'd have to be The Purple Cow. Yeah, uh, another Seth book I enjoyed. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got a bunch of good books. There's so many out there. Yeah, um, and I I like I talk to these people that read a book a week, which is always what I wanted to do. Yeah, I don't even get close to that. Yeah, but uh, it, you read a book a week, you're going to get pretty well educated yeah. about any subject matter. Yeah, that's and, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I like his books. I mean, they're they're never like too long. They're always pretty concise with what the message is. Yeah, I get his daily blog, and that's how that is. Well, and with regards to my business, you know, I don't have a a walnut and grain corner office in a high rise so mm-hmm. my expenses are very very low it's here in my home yeah um so i have a lifestyle practice uh, which means i can practice from wherever i'm at in the world as long as i have my laptop with me and my cell yeah. phone so i love my lifestyle in that uh, i'm totally uh, my time uh, is totally myself and you know a lot of people ask and i ask folks uh, you know how do you define success Uh, And my idea of success is to wake up in the morning and know you can do exactly what you want to do. Yeah. And that's kind of what I do. And uh, it just makes life fun. And uh, I can work. uh, uh, I incorporate my clients into my travel. And I incorporate my clients into my parties and vacations. And so I've got the best of both worlds of uh, the friendship, uh, clients, slash travel, slash uh, it's a great lifestyle. Yeah. So The freedom. The freedom. And that freedom... uh, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, and so that freedom to me is very, very important. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, what? So, what would your biggest recommendation for people trying to get there be? To have that freedom, whether they want to travel or do whatever. You know, I would tell a lot of people uh, to start a side gig. Yeah. If you can, in some fashion, which is kind of the hot topic right now. Um, yeah. I actually started my uh, investment advisory business as a side gig back in 1989 mm-hmm. and uh, have built it very, very slowly over the last 30 some years. And uh, now I've got it kind of rocking and rolling. And uh, it's just been a great, great thing. And there's lots of things you can do with side gigs. When you start yeah. up, they might not create much money, but uh, if you stay at it and uh, over a period of years, you know, it can start happening and it can eventually replace your full-time job yeah. and then create your lifestyle, you know? Yeah. So. And I think the key there is not just like getting impatient and after one year being like, well, I guess it's not happening. Well, and there was a point in my, uh, in my side gig, uh, guy, she was probably 20 years, 25 years ago. I was real close to just saying, you know what, I'm just going to cash in my chips and yeah stick with my job but as it turned out i kept plunging ahead and uh then all of a sudden you know things turned yeah and uh and here i am uh you know clicking right along so uh 
it's a slow process. And in my business, you know, you plant apple trees and you have to wait for the harvest and that takes a while. Yeah. So the last 30 years I've been planting apple trees and now I'm harvesting and uh, it's worked out very, very well. Yeah. And I think that's great for people here because it, uh, a lot of the time we don't see the 25 years that it took to get to that point. It's kind of, you just see the end point. That's exactly a good point. A lot of uh, the music stars, you know, you don't see them in the smoky bars working seven no. nights a week, uh, making little or nothing. Uh, yeah. And then when they make it big, you know, you, you think they're superstars. But yeah. uh, you're and absolutely right. It uh, yeah. it just uh, it just takes time. And, you know, everybody now is heading towards the marijuana business mm-hmm. um, because everyone's running, wanting to get rich quick. And CBD oil. and All that stuff. And, and there's going to be markets for it, and there's going to be money made with it. But in my opinion... I, I made a bet the other day with a guy. I said, if you take all your money that you're going to pour into this business and put it in Apple stock in 20 years, I'd bet money that the Apple stock would be twice as big as what your other business is going to be because everyone's trying to make a quick buck, and yeah. uh, nothing happens quick yeah. that, that's any good. I think just us in Kansas City, 30-plus of those American shaman stores have come up in yeah. the last year and a half. Yeah. And, and, and like, they're just getting started, and the market's going to be flooded with them. And granted, the guys that got in earlier are going to make some money probably somewhere along the line, but I don't really want to have anything to do with that business. Um, and I don't, it's kind of like hunting. Yeah. Uh, I don't like to shoot animals, but mm-hmm. I don't care if other people do. It's just not for me. I just, yeah. I, I enjoy seeing them rather than shooting well, them. Some of these, I mean, there's, there's a CBD place in every strip mall. Yeah. Or two. Absolutely. And sure. that's just a whole different deal. And, and that's great for the people who want to do that. It's just, uh, it's just not, it's not for me. So, yeah. uh, but I, I, I've seen that, you know, over the years in the investment business, whether it's marijuana or whether it's, uh, whatever the latest fat yogurt, or, mm-hmm. you know, you can go through the list. A lot of that stuff's faddish and, uh, you yeah. know, people jump on board and the margins go down and then all of a sudden the businesses go away and, uh, so it's just fad stuff. Um, yeah. Long term, some of that stuff doesn't work. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So overall, we'll probably start. Rat, we're hitting close to an hour. Does that sound good to you? Yep, sounds good. Okay. Um. All right. Last two questions. Uh, if you could have a travel billboard for Vietnam, what would it say? I think uh, I think it could say uh, enjoy the safety of Vietnam. Okay. Because uh, you feel very safe there. There's no yeah. gun. There, if you have a gun, you go to jail. So there's no Whoa. guns there. Crazy. Um, I felt very safe everywhere I went. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed the people and the food and the culture. And never once was I in a situation where I felt a little uncomfortable. And, you know, being there for 30 days, uh, and I spent, you know, three nights in both Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City, you would think that I would have run across maybe some sketchy stuff or I'd have been uncomfortable. Yeah. Not once. Wow. Not once. That's crazy. I mean, that's just rare for anywhere in the world. I'm not just saying because. It is. But is there that stigma of Vietnam? Just that. I don't know that they uh, talk much about the safety of Vietnam. But yeah. In my opinion, they should. Yeah. And it has so much to offer. It's kind of a hidden gem in the world. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, the infrastructure is 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 built and being built. You know, yeah. with the internet cable and all that. The hotels are going in, and uh, I'm glad I got to see it before it comes commercialized because you can stay in a five star hotel in Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City for probably hundred bucks a night. Yeah, um, I would be willing to bet in uh, five ten years from now that'll be four hundred bucks a night. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, in closing, what would you what what your what would your last I guess message to the audience be? It would be if you're a younger person and got some money and are curious, uh, a good time to travel is when you're younger. I admire these young kids that are in college if they can swing it to do the backpacks and such. Yeah, I think it's an incredible education. Um, if you can make it make your way to Asia, and I've met some young people over there that are traveling the circuit through Asia. It's very inexpensive to do it in uh, Thailand and Vietnam. Very, yeah. very inexpensive. You can stay in hotels for 10 bucks a night. Damn. The food, uh, you can eat on the street for uh, $3, and that includes a Coke. Yeah. Um, it's incredibly inexpensive. That's so crazy. So if you're curious and young, uh, it's a great way to see the world. And uh, I would uh, I would think that would be a great thing for young people to do, and, and older people. Um, you know, I don't think there's – you're yeah. never done being curious. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go. Never yeah. done being curious. Yeah. I like that tagline. Yep. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah.